Good morning, and welcome back to 501c TV. I'm your host, Janelle Harris, and this is the podcast that talks to nonprofits, nonprofit partners, thought leaders, system change leaders to find out what's going on in the industry, what important events are happening. And we're happy to have with us here this morning Randall Baker, who's the president of the Board of Trustees with the Murakami Museum and Japanese Gardens. Welcome, Randall. Thank you. Good morning, Michelle. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I, I really want to dive in a lot about um, what you are doing for Murakami, what your background is, how we got here, <laughs> and all that fun stuff. And I think it's um, really important to, to talk about all the great things that you guys are doing at the museum and gardens. Um, so it's, let's talk a little bit. So. If no one here watching has been to the Murakami Gardens, um, it, it is stunning. And I think it's a really kind of unique property situated right here in our backyard. It is. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about why it's unique and um, why you should visit it. Because it's it's a pretty amazing place and it's got a really cool history, which I always love the history of stuff. So, But without further ado, let's talk a little bit about what your role is. I know we talked off camera. You've been there for a really long time. And um, how did you? How did we end up here? <laughs> I have been there a really long time. Um, I was actually I joined the board of trustees in 1995. Okay. Um, I was at the time working for IBM as a, a reseller of IBM equipment okay. to governmental agencies in South Florida. Gotcha. So I had Palm Beach County. Um, uh, Office of Information Technology or the governmental complex. Mm -hmm. I had the city, city of Delray Beach, city of Boca Raton that I was marketing to IBM services and products. And because I was in the public sector, I was really interested in giving back. Okay. So I went, at that time, um, IBM had a big plant in Boca Raton on Yamato Road. Okay. And we had a, a corporate liaison to the state of Florida. His name was Norm Ostrowski. And I went to Norm and I asked if there was any opportunity to give back. And he said, Randall, let me uh, check things out and to get back to you. A couple weeks passed and he called up and he said, listen, currently we have a trustee on the, on the board at the Murakami Museum an IBM employee that is actually being transferred to Austin. Interesting. So we've had a presence on the board ever since its inception. Um, we'd like for you to interview if you would like. So at that time, I, uh, I was uh, interviewing with the director of the museum, Larry okay. Rosenzweig, and the board of trustees president, Nancy Stroud at the time. And uh, they interviewed me, and they uh, offered me a position. And in 1995, June, um, I joined the board. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And had you had a lot of exposure to Murakami at that point? Like, had you been there before and spent time there? And Funny you should ask, yeah. because I had never been there. Okay, that's, you know what? That's probably actually pretty cool, though. Like, you probably just dove right in and you were like, all right, I need to know everything I need to know about this place. I had never been to Japan, didn't know anything about the museum, mm -hmm. except for the signs that I had uh, driven past. Right. And um, and was enlightened. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> it is. It's a really like enchanting place if you've actually never been there. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So, um, so you joined in 1995, and at that point, you know, what were what were your thoughts? Were you like, this is this is really cool? Tell me about Murakami back in 1995. You so, know, versus where we are today. I'm sure it's drastically different. Yeah. So in 1995, we had the new building. Um, it was opened in 1993. Uh, before that, we had the Yamato Khan, mm -hmm. um, which is the small uh, museum, the original museum right. that was built in 1977. 
So um, in 1993, they opened up this facility that opened up um, the opportunity for much better exhibits. Mm -hmm. um, in the old building, there was no air conditioning. There was an air, a oh, wall wow. unit um, in the office for the uh, administrator, okay. but nothing else. So nobody was willing to give us or allow us to exhibit their artwork because it wasn't in a climate-controlled environment. Right, right. We didn't have any way to store it in a climate-controlled environment except for at a warehouse. So with the opening of the new museum in 1993, we upped that level. Yeah, so that we all the artifacts to... and things. So um, and, and tell me a little bit about that. The artifacts and exhibits that are there, are there permanent ones there or are they kind of like a constantly rotating thing? So right now we've got um, just one small exhibit that's mm -hmm. permanent. That's okay. the uh, Kokeshi doll collection, um, and that's in the small gallery. Okay. Um, then the rest of it is rotating. Which and is currently, weird. right now, we have the jewelry exhibit. I don't know if you've seen that no, or not. No, I have not, but that um, is right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> there's an artist that generates very, very uh, miniature um, replicas of Aww. events, and she puts them into jewelry. That's and it's just cool. beautiful. I'm sure. Like, uh, so... Let's talk about the word Yamato, too, which I just found out. Tell me about that, because everywhere you drive down here, and especially in Boca, there's Yamato Road. Yes. So I, I, I doubt that a lot of people know what that means. <laughs> so Yamato is yeah. actually an ancient name for Japan. Correct. This so cool. um, when, when the settlers came here, um, uh, Joe Sukai came here in 1903 mm -hmm. um, with uh, Henry Flagler and Flagler with the uh, the uh, railway trying to get people to develop the property. Right. Um, he settled in uh, South Florida and actually developed the Yamato colony. Mm -hmm. um, in that, what his intent was, was to bring Japanese farmers from Japan to South Florida to teach the locals how the Japanese farm. Correct. And primarily we were focused on pineapple farming. I read that. <laughs> they have an awesome website, by the way. You guys check it out. They, it's it's really set up beautifully online. Thank goodness, I got this correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! But yes, I did read that, and and actually, they they did a really good job of of you know the pineapple crop for a while until then they were kind of like dethroned by Cuba, who kind of took that that piece of it away. You and have read. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the history of this. I love everything about it because I think it's so unique to our area that you would think that, you know, there's all this Japanese culture and history, like right in that small spot, which is really cool and well, unique. And, and people don't understand that, right? Um, yeah. They don't understand that there was a Japanese colony here um, in the early 1900s and uh, what happened to that colony. Um, and as as the, uh, the farming progressed and then um, rescinded because of the um, influence of the Cuban farmers and yeah. them bringing pineapples or sending pineapples from Cuba over to the United States and then using the Flagler Railway to get them uh, to other mm -hmm. parts. They decided they needed to um, shift, so they went to winter vegetables. They um, started to grow strawberries on the property, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Then the farmers kind of just, you know, it wasn't the, the whirlwind opportunity that they thought it was going sure. to be. So they kind of dispersed. Mm -hmm. And um, in the mid to late 40s, there were like only three families left um, on the property. Wow. And how big was that property at the time? Th thousands of acres. Okay. But large. Um, you got to remember in 1942 with the war, what happened was a judge went and took 6,000 acres of South Florida of the Yamato colony 
and actually made the Army Air Corps base That's right. uh, the training base, which is now the Boca Raton uh, Regional Airport. Right. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, that's so very interesting. All okay. of FAU and the airport was all that property that they seized um, back then. Interesting. That puts it all in a perspective now when you think, I'm thinking yeah. about it like in an aerial view. I'm like, <laughs> I got it now. Okay. That makes complete Army sense. Army Air Corps. Planes. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's draw a map. Yeah. I got it. Interesting. Okay. And so then. So then there were like three families left yeah. and they kind of uh, dispersed. Um, George Murakami was the last um, surviving member of that group, um, and he continued to amass the land as the other landowners left. And before he passed away in the in the mid 1960s, he wanted to give to his mm-hmm. adopted homeland, right? Right. So he grew up in Japan, very young, um, 19 when he came over here, and amassed this property, and he wanted to give back to his um, to his adopted homeland. And so he tried to give the property to the county. They didn't want it. What are you going to do? And right. you got to remember, back in this time, 1965, um, Jagro didn't exist. And so it was just all farmland Very in the middle rural. of nowhere. Right. Um, and they didn't want it off their tax rolls. Mm-hmm. So um, he tried to give it to the city um, for a park. Yeah. city didn't want it. Oh, my goodness. It took him 10 years to convince the county government to actually wow. accept the land. Now, think about that, right? Somebody trying to give you yeah. 200 acres think of land at today. this time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Ching, ching. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So um, we have 200 acres of land that he gave to us in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1975, he passed away. In 1977, the Yamato-kan was open. Got it. And at that time, it was um, to the dedication of art and artifacts of Japan. Got it. um, And the cultural aspects. Um, In 1993, like I said, Palm Beach County government um, invested in the property and built the new museum in order for us to be able to um, advance the the mission. Um, In that building, I'm sure you're aware, there's a 225-seat auditorium. There's 4,000 square feet of exhibit space. There's a store, there's a cafe, there's education facilities, there's the administrative offices. Uh, downstairs, there's the area for the collection, mm-hmm. which we uh, preserve and collect um, the artifacts. We've got a little over 7,000 now, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty, um, and we continue impressive. to ebb and flow with that number, but um, a decent collection of Japanese art. Which is really cool. And so um, the gardens, too, are, I mean, we can't not talk about the gardens because they're beautiful. Um, when when did those come into play time-wise in that time frame? So shortly after I um, started on the board in 1995, we were talking about the gardens, and um, they were under development. Um, Palm Beach County had an impact tax at that time, okay. and they were using some of that money to fund the development of the gardens. Gotcha. We contracted with a company, um, Carisu International. Hoichi Carisu is mm-hmm. the president and owner of that company, and his family um, still works in that. Um, and he still um, is actively involved. Oh, cool. Um, in 2001 is when the gardens actually formally opened. Interesting. Okay. So they've been around, but not. I thought they were around like much longer than that. So yeah. that's interesting. They're, they're very mature. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's, it's beautiful. I get, how many weddings do you guys do there a year? A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> a ton. So, um, and tell me a little bit too, because I, again, I, I find this interesting because it's, um, you know, it's a unique kind of um, setup when we talk about like nonprofits. But talk, walk me through a little bit of the the public private partnership and how that works and how it's a little bit different than maybe your traditional nonprofit that's out there. Yeah. So Palm Beach County 
um, is the owner of the land okay. and the owner of the buildings. Gotcha. So, um, so that's their responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. um, currently, they um, maintain the building, they maintain the grounds. Um, the the friends of the museum started, mm -hmm. um, and then it became a board of trustees. And the mission of the board of trustees is to raise funds for the support of the authenticity of the um, of the museum. Gotcha. So, so some of the things that you see, the gardens specifically, mm -hmm. um, Palm Beach County Parks and Rec can maintain those gardens, okay. but they wouldn't keep them in a Japanese format. Correct. They wouldn't make sure that they are authentic as far as the six period gardens that we have dating from the early 800s to the um, right. 20, 20th century, if you will. So what our mission is, our responsibility is to make sure that they're maintained to the level of the Japanese. Absolutely. I'm thinking I'm thinking specifically the bonsai garden. How many bonsai gardens are in South Florida? <laughs> Not too many, <laughs> Not but there's many. a lot of collectors. <laughs> yes. So, you know, keeping the integrity of that and and making sure that that is, you know, to its authentic self, I get that. So that makes we have total the, sense. The bonsai exhibit. We have um, the six period gardens. Mm -hmm. We've got another garden that's on our, our roadmap as far as um, okay. to add the um, Hashidate, which is uh, the bridge to heaven garden. Okay. Um, you can find a, a sister of that in Miyazu, uh, Japan. Um, we've so also cool. got um, the collection and the exhibits. We want to make sure that they are um, in top order as mm -hmm. far as viewing experience. So um, the, the museum board uh, works to raise funds to do that. Awesome. We've also got a master plan okay. with additional, um, additional facilities to be added to the property. And that's what we also raise funds for. Okay, awesome. So what is it about Murakami that you think is so you know which grabs people in i mean you've you've been on the board a long time and you know in your opinion what is it about the gardens that keeps people wanting to come there and come back and so if we're talking specifically about the gardens and not the museum and the collection yes the gardens is a a serene place to go yeah um if you've ever walked the gardens you understand um there are places to sit to contemplate to reflect mm -hmm. um just to to decompress um, we've got a couple of programs. We've got um, the Stroll for Wellbeing. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, that. but let's talk about it. The Stroll for Wellbeing was developed with the School of Nursing from FAU and the okay. Murakami together. Cool. And what the intent was, was to show the effects of nature and the gardens on the human psyche as well as the human physical aspects. Um, we've had people that are uh, experiencing chemo for cancer treatments. We've had people come through that have PTSD from the Iraq War or yeah. even as far back as the Vietnam War. Um, we've had people come that just need respite care. Mm -hmm. um, they've been um, inundated with trying to take care of a loved one, and they need some way to get back to themselves. Sure. And so um, we have this whole program. There's 12 different areas um, in the book. It's it's a, a eight week, I think, program, eight or 12 week program, cool. where you come and you go with a, a moderator to specific sites, and they guide you to what to believe and feel and think. That's really cool. Um, so that you can help train your mind yeah. to relax and de-stress and uh, decouple from the. And, yeah. and eventually be able to just walk yourself through and, and do it on your own, which... Absolutely. Oh my Absolutely. gosh, that's amazing. I really just, love that. 
Uh, and we've got a little video that shows that uh, Stroll for Wellbeing program. Okay. But just as an example, um, a, a sheriff's office deputy, he had such anger issues, mm -hmm. um, and they couldn't figure it out. And he had PTSD also. Sure. He came through, and in the gardens we have um, the bamboo grove. And I don't know if you've ever been in a bamboo grove, but if it's quiet and you sit, you can hear the bamboo talking to yes. you. Yes. It's like squeaks it moves and it, moves. And it sways. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, he actually had a meltdown at that point in the garden. And the reason was it took him back to Vietnam. I'm sure. Yeah. And him hearing those same sounds when he was actually fighting the Viet Cong. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, we helped, that program helped him to understand that there's more right. than just what he experienced to those sounds. And it actually is calming now. And, and he actually changed his life dramatically and has been one of the most productive uh, sheriff's office deputies doing community outreach and community service for the uh, sheriff's office since then. That's amazing. I'm sure that story alone, I'm sure you have hundreds more just like it, are probably one of the reasons that you've stayed on so long. I mean, that would keep me there just wanting to continue on. Well, again, if you've visited the gardens, you understand yeah. what it can do for you, mm -hmm. right? So not only are we raising funds and helping the community, but we're also helping ourselves. Yeah, that. absolutely. And if you need a quiet spot, there's not a lot to find. There, there are some in South Florida, but, you know, it is. There's a, there's a lot of uh, hustle and bustle and, you know, it's it's a lot of activity around here. So to have a place like that to go to is absolutely. Cool. And people drive down jog road and they're going 40, 45 miles an hour and they pass by it and they haven't ever been. And once you turn onto the property road and you go through that winding path and you see nothing but the trees and then you get the beautiful Japanese architecture yes. designed um, museum building and you walk up into it and then you look through the glass through the windows and you see this beautiful lake and garden surrounding it, you go out and you, you experience nature um, like you've never experienced yeah. before. And it really does uh, transport you. I mean, it really, I think, has that effect on people to take you to a different place, which is probably why people find so much you know, solace in going there and, and, and they have a really great experience, which is so cool. Yes. Um, and so tell me about the museum itself, because you guys do so much programming there. And I want people to understand just, I mean, we could probably do like three hours just on all your classes. I, I was telling Randall um, this morning I was going through, I, I have um, a few small children, smaller children. And um, the things that you have just for like families and kids to be able to come there and do. So cool. So, yeah, we have our festivals. So yeah. we have events that uh, uh, people can go to. Um, we have classes, education. Um, one of the the mission of the museum is to educate, inspire, and entertain. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we try strive yeah. to do. Um, from the Sume Inc. art painting classes to Ikebana flower arranging to Japanese language classes mm -hmm. to sushi making to, <laughs> so cool. to kids' art to... Um, well, I was going to say, I think going on are. right now today was um, there. <laughs> we won't be there, but um, for the smaller kids sector, they were making um, Japanese New Year cards today. Yes. I was like, oh, that's today. So, <laughs> you know, just neat stuff like that. I know um, you guys do like a kite festival. I don't remember if that's in January. That might be in January. Um, but if you guys go on the website there, like you can click through and there's all kinds of classes programs, events, you can sort it by family, by what, there's so much going on and it's, it's really cool. 
um, I was very surprised by that, by all the different kind of classes that you guys had. Yeah. And our big festival coming up is Oshigatsu, which okay. is Japanese New Year. That's the first uh, Saturday Saturday or Sunday of the month, uh, mm -hmm. month of January. Um, we've got uh, Hatsume Festival, which we've had in the past. This year, I'm not sure we're going to do. Okay. That usually got us eight to 10,000 people a day oh my through goodness. the doors. The problem is with that many people, it takes a toll on the gardens. I'm sure. Um, and it's hard to corral all of those people to stay <laughs> right, on the paths right. and, and not mess Don't up. Don't trample that. all of the foliage. <laughs> yeah, like all that fun stuff that comes with crowds. The, the, the rock gardens, they're raked to pristine condition oh. um, they get messed up and and you know sometimes it's it's difficult to I'm, see that I'm happen sure, to your baby <laughs> i'm sure it's like you know it's like your house you know it's, people are just coming in and you're like mm. right. <laughs> <laughs> smile through you know gritted teeth but we have the hatsume festival then yeah. we have the uh, children's day where we have um uh, events for children arts crafts dance taiko drummers yeah um, if you've ever experienced the taiko drummers no. you know the movement of that i would love um, to see that the the sound just reverberates through your body and you can't uh, help but be moved <laughs> so cool um, then we've got the obon festival um, in august which is the lighting of the lanterns mm -hmm. and communicating with your ancestors their spirits so cool. um, one time a year you take a lantern um, it's usually got a paper cover on it you write a message to them. We float it on the lake with the, a lit candle in so the middle. Cool. If you've ever experienced that, just a beautiful, beautiful view. Um, the the moonlight on the lake with the candles with all of the people. It's it's just really a nice nice event. That's pretty cool. Do you guys um, do you guys have volunteer opportunities too? We do. We have um, a volunteer corps of about three hundred people. Okay. They are the lifeblood mm -hmm. of the museum. Um, they range from helping to prepare exhibits to helping guide people in the uh, in the on the property to docents giving tours of cool. the um, exhibit as well as the gardens. A lot of uh, volunteer opportunities. What's been your favorite exhibit that's come through so far? In all of your years, <laughs> your many years of, of involvement. There's been so many, but the most moving um, probably was the Visas for Life. Okay. And that was one of the first ones we had. The Visas for Life was actually about a Japanese ambassador to Germany. Okay. Um, that was helping to get uh, Jewish people out of the state of Germany um, through Japan to other um, countries. So he was actually physically writing visas unbeknownst to a lot of people right. and helping save their lives. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, through the Holocaust and everything yeah. else, um, he was able to to manage to save thousands of people. That's an amazing story. And so, you know, again, why is it so important to keep this alive in South Florida? Just having that Japanese culture here, right, in South Florida, why do you think that's so important? Well, again, nobody knows that this was a Japanese colony. Yeah. Right? They see Yamato Road, Yamato Road. Mm -hmm. um, they have no idea. At one time, the IBM Boca um, uh, PC plant was on Yamato Road, and that's what it's really known for. And okay, now it's yeah. the, um, the research and development um, area. Um, there was a sister property in Japan um, that looks just like the Boca site. Really? Um, so IBM had uh, uh, sites in both places. Cool. Um, and so that's why it's important to understand our history. Yeah, I think that's and, and like I said, it's everyone knows, you know, I think they definitely know the name like Murakami is very well known in the area. But I don't think a lot of people understand like 
where it came from and why it's here and very true. You know, it's well, interesting. And and you say a lot of people um, understand that it's there, but they don't understand the history. And a lot of people have never visited. Um, I, I know this to be true also. Yeah. Which, which is shocking. Uh, we've got uh, neighborhood communities right next door, mm-hmm. Addison Reserve, um, uh, uh, Long Lake Estates, I mean, uh, Newport Bay. Um and you go to their homeowners meetings and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we know it's there, but we've never been. Right. So. And that's interesting. How do we change that? I wish I had that answer. <laughs> I know. That's like, <laughs> if anyone knows, anyone has any ideas, let Randall know. But yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it's because there's just so much to do. Like there's just a lot going on in South Florida. Like, I don't know. It's like an interesting thing to me, but. Very I, I love a good museum. <laughs> so. well, well, and people think of the, the the museum as a museum, and okay, um, they don't understand that the Japanese gardens are what they are, and they're actually an offshoot of the museum. They're actually a collection of gardens. Right. They're not just a, a, a garden unto itself. We're not a botanical garden. Right, um, which is important. Thank you for bringing that up, because I'm, I'm actually from the Chicago area, and we have a, a big uh, botanical garden in northern Illinois, and it does have a huge um, Japanese garden section within it. And it's interesting to note because somebody had asked me once, well, is Murakami, a, are there gardens? Is it like a botanical garden? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's not. It's very different. So, um, and what makes it a botanical garden? Well, so typically in a botanical garden, you'll have signs um, naming the plants and right. the species and all. We have none of that. Gotcha. Um, so when Hoichi Kuriso designed the gardens, um, he tried to use Japanese uh, plants. Mm-hmm. And in South Florida, that just doesn't work, yeah. right? They won't grow whatever. Um, and so he's used native South Florida plants and groomed them to look oh, like Japanese that's plants. That's really interesting. So if you walk through the garden, you'll see how they're they're sculpted. Okay. Um, a lot of the trees, they're being trained. They've got sticks and twigs and twine. Um, all trying to direct them in a specific um, growing pattern. That's cool. Um, one of the other things you'll see when you walk through the gardens, it, well, you'll, you'll feel is you being pulled into the gardens. Mm-hmm. And the way that he has designed and the garden curator continues to maintain um, the gardens is to prune them so that they're pulling, they're, they're moving to one side. Okay. So they're pulling you into the gardens. Um, the path along the uh, the gardens is about 1.1 miles. If you actually go the wrong way, you'll actually feel like it's uncomfortable. Oh, it's, that's so funny. And it's all subliminal, but it's it's a, a strange feeling. Designed that way, yeah, by design. So is there anything that's changed in just, um, you know, thinking about like a traditional garden in Japan versus, you know, the Murakami gardens here? Has anything changed in the last 50 years? I, I, how they garden and... Does that have to be brought over here? No. So so remember that we're a collection of gardens. Okay. So we've got six period gardens, and like I, I told you, we, we're working on a seventh. Okay. Um, and they represent garden styles from a specific period. Okay, gotcha. So from the early rock garden, the Shinden garden, the late rock, the flat garden, the, the paradise, and the, the romantic garden, they all have different meanings and different purposes. Okay. Like in the romantic garden, 
um, there's many different levels um, in that garden. And you'll see the water movement is totally different. And it's supposed to symbolize a relationship. Gotcha. When a relationship starts, there's a lot of activity. and sure. very So that's where you see the falls. And then you get to a, a calm place where you've got a calm. And then you've got another rough patch, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, that can, <laughs> that's so cool. And then at the end, it just circles back around. What's going to be the seventh garden? Can you divulge that? Oh, yeah. Okay. The, um, it's on our master plan. The Amar Hashadate, uh-huh. which again is the bridge to heaven um, garden. And that's supposed to be right where our wisdom ring is now um, in that area okay. of the property. But um, not only do we have a garden on the master plan, um, we've got a Ryokan, which is a Japanese inn. Oh, um, so cool. And that's supposed to be next on the uh, agenda. Okay. We'll have an 80 to 100 key property. Um, where it will incorporate a wellness center, um, incorporate the gardens into that wellness center. They might be have a small conference center, mm. um, and that will augment. And one of the uh, main catalysts for that is we have so many events um, at the museum, and when people come for a wedding or whatever, sure. there's no place to stay close by. Correct. Um, and so having a Riocon, a hotel on the property, will be a, a, a major draw for That's that. really neat. How many people will be able to stay there? Um, 80, 80 rooms That's a lot. to 100 rooms. So, That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and it won't be, um, it, it won't be um, impending. It will be you know, just two-story type uh, buildings. Sure. Um, keep within the, uh, mm-hmm. um, the architecture of the museum and the gardens and the That's flow and, and more nature. Gardens Incorporated as this well. This just popped in my head, but have you ever had a, an actual chance yourself to go to Japan? Have you been there yourself? I have not. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was wondering. I'm like, hmm, I would love to go yeah. there one day. It's <laughs> on my too. bucket list. <laughs> I was just curious. I'm like, I don't know. That's pretty cool. All right, Randall. So tell me a little bit about Taste of Asia, because that's going to come up in the um, the new year here very, yeah. very shortly. So, so in the past, we've had a, a fundraising event uh, by the Board of Trustees. It's typically been a gala-type event mm-hmm. um, where we, um, we are different than the other gala events in that ours has typically been outside. Okay. Um, we have a tent um, that's put out. We have the lake behind us. We've had fireworks. We've had um, different art displays. Um, we've had different types of activities. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this next year, we've decided to back away from the, the typical gala sure. event and do what we're calling a taste of Asia. Okay. We'll have 10 different local restaurants that cool. will um, have food stations, okay. and it'll be a f- social fundraising uh, awesome. event uh, for uh, uh, a few hundred people. Yeah, amazing. And so that's going to be February 17th, we said. February 17th. Okay, Correct. that's great. And I, I like that you guys are trying something new. Something new, I mean... Well, and, and so many times people are like, I've done a gay life. You know, I, I get dressed up. I feel fancy. I've, you know, correct. it's fun. But it's time to change things up and look to see if we can't get other people involved Absolutely. outside of the, uh, the the traditional patrons that we have. Amazing. I love that. Um, so we're going to wrap up here. But if there's one takeaway that you really want people to know and understand about the Murakami Museum and Gardens, what is that? that we're here and we want you to come visit us because you can definitely receive benefits by um, by experiencing not just the culture, the art, the artifacts, but the uh, the gardens as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me here today. This is such, um, such a, an amazing property. And you guys, if you haven't been there, 
please just go there, take a day and and go there and spend some time, check out the museum, walk the gardens. It's it's spectacular. And to Randall's point, you will feel like you are um, taken to a faraway place, which is, you know, the whole the whole point of the property. Um, so thank you so much, Randall. And um, you, it, you can find more information um, on their website. We'll flash that up. Check out their website. You, you can go through and find some just awesome, incredible events, classes, workshops, um, in addition to just coming to the museum and visiting. So thank you for joining us here on 501C TV. Thank you to Kana House Studios, Wellington's first and only social media content creation studio. And we'll see you next time on 501C TV. Thank you. Thank you.